Little inviting you to join us. Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Good morning. You are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is the Physical Culture, Music, and Art Show. I am Vincent Mezzo, the Dean of Discipline, Dean of Personal Training, and the man with a face for radio. (laughs) On today's show, we have two fitness professionals who also both happen to come from a dance background. We have Mr. John Fredericks in the second half and Miss Annie Rodriguez in the first half. Annie Rodriguez is a certified fitness nutrition specialist, a pre-postnatal fitness specialist, and a group fitness instructor through the American Council on Exercise. She takes a unique individualized approach to diet, fitness, and beauty standards, believing that dance is for everybody. That big is beautiful and that the intensity is like hot sauce. A healthy dash goes a long way, but too much just burns. Annie, thank you for joining us today, and welcome. Thanks so much. It's great to have you here. So, Annie, you started off as a dancer and then got into fitness? Yes. um, I grew up taking ballet every day of my life, and um, that's what I went to school for. And when I was in college studying ballet, I started dancing with some teachers who taught mostly in like African-based dance, and it mm-hmm. changed my entire uh, life. Was that Dunham or what sort of technique? It actually was. I studied at uh, the University of Colorado at Boulder, mm-hmm. and there was definitely there's definitely Dunham technique in mm-hmm. there. But I studied mostly with a woman named Onye Ozuzu, and she had her her own thing that she come. I mean, she comes from a diverse background of dance as well. Um, and then kind of through that, I study, I started dancing with like everywhere I could trying to find, um, more teachers of West African dance mostly. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, it became clear there's, you know, not much, not as much happening in Denver and Boulder as in New York city. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I went to NYU for my master's and got, and a really unique opportunity to study um, African dance in terms of like what was going on like in the city. And I worked in studios. I danced with everybody I could. And also um, from the academic side, like the history and the politics, the cultural politics, like all this really like deep and rich stuff for me because like not really understanding what it was I was obsessed with. Right. So like mm-hmm. finding it in the middle of Colorado, I was like, what's going on? I don't get it. Um, yeah. And so then 
That's, and then you came to the city. Yeah. Now at NYU, you finished your undergraduate there. Or you went to the master's program. There I went to dance? the master's program. Uh-huh. Yeah. And was that a dance education program, or which program was that? It was actually Gallatin, which uh-huh. is the School of Individualized Study, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of an interesting choice for a master's. It turns out, but. It was awesome because mm-hmm. I I took class at Tisch. I took a, some Steinhardt dance ed classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to draw from a lot of different um, programs. Performance studies was a big one. The Department of Africana Studies was the uh-huh. bulk of my school, my schooling. And you basically um, choose your classes. And then right. you have to like, it was kind of every semester was like, Let's see if I can convince this teacher to let me in here because it's um, mm-hmm. interdisciplinary. So the I think the hardest class I took was like was the history of Atlantic slavery. It was hard oh, wow. to get into the class. And then with the historians are gnarly. They read like Rah! I just yeah, the seminars uh-huh. were amazing. And yeah, it was in, it was incredible. It just turned my life upside down. So can you Put your finger on what was it since you started in ballet? What was it that drew you to African dance? Was it something about the emotion or something about the authenticity? Do you have you thought about what it was specifically about that type of dance that attracted you or that spoke to you? Um, at the time, it was just like it was happening to me. I just mm-hmm. I couldn't mm-hmm. I was I couldn't stop. Um. I think part of it was that I saw in it a technique that was completely different from my ballet training mm-hmm. and but just as developed um one thing I love about it is that it it kind of it gives you access to something to, at least to me like growing up where I grew up in Virginia and like you know that you can't find in our culture Mm-hmm. Um, in the U.S., not everywhere, not easily. We're like our mainstream culture isn't to me a social dance culture, uh-huh. and I mean, and the music mostly. And um, learning to learning to move your body in that way, it was like mm-hmm. it was it was really thrilling for me. Um, simply put, I was also I didn't have a prayer at being a ballet dancer. Like I was obsessed uh-huh. with it, but there's a lot of things about it that were never going to happen for me. Right. And I was uh I was finally kind of good at something. Like the mm-hmm. way that my ribs move like worked with mm-hmm. African dance. Also like the more I the more I learned and the more places I've been with it, the more I've seen people dancing into, into their 80s. And like mm-hmm. I mean the oldest people doing incredible stuff and it just uh even now like thinking about it I I mean I get, you like, get goosebumps. goosebumps. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The I want to come back to what you said about social dance that mm-hmm. we don't have a social dance culture. Can you explain that a little bit because you don't mean just getting together and dancing socially, you mean that it's not part of our society in a way? Is not that, um, that it's not part of our society, but that it's not necessarily for everyone. It's not, it's about, it can be about specific communities, but all right. So to like situate me in this conversation, mm-hmm. I grew up in Virginia in the sticks, in the mountains, like mm-hmm. just, and, uh, and then like moved to Colorado where, 
whatever social dance scene it was to me, it was, it's in clubs, right? And like clubs are, there's a, it's its own world. It's a rad world, but it's mm -hmm. not necessarily like you wouldn't take your auntie or your grandma necessarily. Right. And, um, the times that I have spent in West Africa, I felt that, I mean, this is like, this conversation like is so like super, super complex. There's mm -hmm. tons of layers mm -hmm. to it, but I felt that like, at least from where I was standing, it seemed that it involved ev like everybody, mm -hmm. like everybody, like dancing is a part of other dance and music together are a part of um, like social like parties, events, mm -hmm. anything like mm -hmm. and, well, it's and, and part of the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's really part of the point of this show. Physical right. culture is how in America we had a physical culture kind of in the late 1800s and then we shifted to sports and games. Yeah. But movement and exercise isn't really part of our core or our foundation. It doesn't connect the generations it doesn't. in the way that you're yeah. talking about dance in other cultures does, which is, you know, really an important thing because yeah. in the same way that the the disco and the same mm -hmm. way that the club is a different environment, well, the gym is a different environment also. Right. Totally. But there isn't something that sort of gives us all the same physical foundation or physical culture anymore, right. which is too bad. You hit on something else that also sort of speaks to our gym environment and our current fitness industry, which is that as a dancer, you realized I, I'm not going to be a ballet dancer. I don't mm -hmm. either have the body type, have mm -hmm. the genetics, whatever it is. Yet in fitness, we constantly hear, oh, take this bar class and you'll look like a ballet dancer. And it's like, does playing basketball make you tall? Right. You know, so there is a certain body type, but I think in the fitness industry, we've really changed that. Has that been your experience that people give, you know, ridiculous promises with their fitness classes that if you do the exercises that this person does, you're going to look like this person? Oh, I think that I think that's a that's a thing that I, I think about a lot because so I do teach bar. I developed mm -hmm. the Barbad program at Chalk Gyms. I've been teaching it for six years now. And um, and one of the things I loved about bar, actually, is that you can take some of these, um, like, train, like, ballet training modalities mm -hmm. and put them into a fitness setting. And, mm -hmm. and, and you can help people find what it is they're looking for. Nobody, like, normal people who have jobs don't have time to train like ballet dancers do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's less, for me, it's less of a, oh, you're going to look like a ballet dancer because mm -hmm. I think that your what you do with your body shows up in your body, and mm -hmm. whoever you are. And the more the more of it you do, like, that's that's how your body works. It's how your movement patterns are. It's your mm -hmm. posture. It's all these things. However, there's, like, things from it that I think really help posture being a main oh, one, absolutely. flexibility being another one. And um, bar itself was uh, developed by a ballet dancer who was injured and she couldn't go to class, but she wanted to keep her chops basically. And in finding a really tiny range of motion, a very small, very safe range of motion, she was able to keep a lot of her muscular strength and, and keep her joints safe and lubricated and working. Um, it's also, you know, it strengthens different parts. Like I have a, I have some theories too about 
the kinds of bodies that bar helps. I know this mm-hmm. is a little bit tangential to what you were asking. Um, so as a like medium sized white girl from Virginia, like my body was never going to become an ideal African dance body either mm-hmm. in any mm-hmm. way, shape or form. Um, and in learning African dance from different bodies, like, like tall, my tall, skinny, like guy teachers, these like long, beautiful limbs. Like I could never, ever dream of jumping that high. Um, or my, a lot of my, um, women teachers are curvier and like they can do the slightest movement and it reads so beautifully. Mm -hmm. And then I'm over there like doing everything way too much, (laughs) like, and, uh, like throwing my back out over it. Um, but in learning, like in learning kind of how to, I don't know, put those things together and make it make sense in my body. Like I always tell my classes, especially when I'm teaching dance, I'm like, look, this is the movement I'm giving you is the rice and beans and you get to flavor it however you want. Mm -hmm. I want Mm -hmm. you to flavor it like you want. You don't have to look exactly like me. Why would you want to? Um, so I feel that there is, I mean, just like lots of like just jazz, hip hop, all kinds of expressions of this, of, and of offshoots of this culture. It's about like, um, the rice and beans and then you improv like we're mm-hmm. dancing together we're on the same rhythm but it looks different and it is different because we're different but you're mm-hmm. it's like it's about community there's a mm-hmm. big thing there so right and it's also about self-expression yeah absolutely right and that's something that you know movement has lost in a lot of fitness contexts yeah you know it's all about how you look and what the result is as opposed to the actual process of being in it and moving through it and how you feel when you're doing it. I mean, we hear about the runner's high, mm-hmm. but that, you know, that's a different thing than how you're expressing yourself when you're actually in a dance class and moving your body in a certain way. It is. There's a different high, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but a, a high nonetheless. Like, Absolutely. And uh, that was a big, a big inspiration for me, too, when I was first learning it. Because, like, I mean, people like the... I mean, you can trance out completely. I mean, I think in our culture, we would call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's. A or whole... in other cultures, they would call it connecting to something that's more yeah. subliminal or foundational Absolutely. as opposed I to mean, trancing out. And yeah. uh, I mean, they may even call it, you know, having access to the divine, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. To, to ancestors, to spirits, et cetera. But um you know, we don't do that so much in gym class, uh-huh. <laughs> um, mm. but I, I try to, I try to share the parts of it that, you know, totally changed my life and how I could like look at my body and what it does and how it, how it would feel to move. I try to, I try to share that with others so they can feel awesome and free. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think that's some- right. And that's such a gift. That's more than just. Oh, you're going to get your sweat on. Well, and I do have some, like some of my babes take, uh, wear the like Fitbits and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, first of all, this class just flew by yet. It just told me I just burned like 700 calories or something like mm-hmm. that. I'm like, okay, cool. That's good. Um, mm-hmm. that's a, I mean, that's a nice, I mean, for a sitting culture, it's important to be able to get that done. Absolutely. In your hours. So So how did you, from this very rich dance background and coming from a place that was 
for lack of a better word, more spiritual or more about self-expression. How did you get into the fitness industry? What made you make that transition? It's a good question. It, um, I was, at the time, I was dancing in a few companies here in New York and going back and forth between Brooklyn and Guinea, West Africa, where I worked with... Um, like a really famous teacher, Yusuf Kumbasa, and I helped him. He would have dance workshops every year, and people would come from all over the world to study dance with him and drumming with like with his people there. And it's, I mean, it's pretty major to go there and learn that way. Um, and I needed a uh, a livelihood, and mm-hmm. it kind of just I was inspired one day. I'm like, well, maybe I can teach too. And it, it just kind of took off from there. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I didn't really intend to. Um, and then like fast forwarding a few more years, I, cause I wasn't a fitness person at all. Um, like, and I still sometimes in a gym setting, I'm like, oh, like this is different. This yeah. is, yeah. Um, yeah. so what, anyway, did you, I think I read when I was looking at the different websites that you have, Actually, what is your website where people can look you up? My website is AnnieRodriguez.com. So it's my name. Okay. Um, and Rodriguez with a Z? Or Rodriguez with a Z. With a Z. So A-N-N-I-E-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z.com. And um, yeah, so I mean, it, it is worth mentioning mm-hmm. that I um, am mainly a Pilates instructor. So mm-hmm. that was the next, mm-hmm. my next phase. But did you yeah. have a pre-med background? Were no. you doing no? Okay, I thought I read that, but no. Okay, no. <laughs> okay, I thought that there was something when you were in Colorado that you were studying some anatomy or something, also, or maybe that was a choice you made before you went to college, and you went the dance route instead. Um, no, I uh, <laughs> I studied ballet and environmental studies. Oh, awesome! <laughs> Undergrad, it was uh-huh. like, and I remember people being like, "Why?" And, mm-hmm. like, and that is a good question. I mean, you know, why? Mm-hmm. But uh, they were the only things that I, I cared about. And I didn't mm-hmm. really understand how they connected at the time because, you know, in many ways they don't um, necessarily. But then later on when I was working in Guinea, um, Mr. Kambasa and I did start a nonprofit project mm-hmm. for a while. We called it NIMBA. And it was about... Um, it was about bringing renewable energy to a part of the world that doesn't have an electrical grid that is reliable at mm-hmm. all. And so we had some cool projects bringing um, bringing people to install solar panels and teaching everybody how to maintain them. And we had this whole idea about, you know, a world in which those two things go together. Because when you live in a situation where you don't necessarily have electricity, it becomes, it's a different thing. But anyway, I... So what what attracted you to Pilates then? That's what you you started teaching dance fitness classes yeah. or teaching dance first, and then you moved into Pilates. I did um, partially because Pilates had been um, it's a part of the ballet world, especially lots of dance worlds, but um, Pilates is there usually. And you studied with Ramana 
at no, Drago's I, I was, or yes, I studied yeah. at um, at the time it was True Pilates New York. It was at mm-hmm. Drago's, um, and by the time I got there, um, Romana lived on in Legacy and uh-huh. in her um, in her daughter Shari, who I studied oh, okay. with Shari, mm-hmm. um, and um, Cynthia Shipley and Yuka Tomita were my main. Mm-hmm mentors and they they're here they're teaching in new york pilates was um i had some questions about how the body works that i couldn't that i really i wanted to answer and pilates did that for me i also knew that um the likelihood of me teaching six to eight hours a day my super high intensity (laughs) dance cardio Mm -hmm. classes was not a thing, even bar is pretty intense to teach over and over. And Pilates is intense in a different way, but it is something that, um, I don't know. I, I really needed to deepen my knowledge to be able to share, to answer the questions that people were coming to. Mm-hmm. Me. And in it, I found a, another kind of lifelong pursuit. Like it's mm-hmm. Pilates has never let you down. Like you always mm-hmm. find something to challenge yourself with. Um, and also to rely on when you're not sure what's going on and mm-hmm. I don't know. a technique yeah. or a method to go back to, to uncover. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors at Paradox Gym. It's exercise, not life. Exercise, moments of sweaty uncomfortableness that are good for you. Done by the old, the heavy, the thin, and those who sit on the couch too much. Giving a try, a partial commitment, one foot out the door, lowering the bar, hoping for change. Exercise. Mimicking life. Because we don't move enough anymore and our bodies rebel. This is your workout, so bring a book, get some coffee. Close your eyes, grin and bear it, stay comfortable, do something you're good at, don't overdo it, stay safe, ignore possibility, break anything, do the easy thing, stay anonymous, skimp where you can, it's exercise, not life. And we're back. Thanks to our friends at FitFo Products. This is the Physical Culture Music and Art Show. I'm Vincent Metzo, and I'm here with Annie Rodriguez. I'd like to give a shout-out to one of the underwriters of this show. The Swedish Institute has been in continuous operation in New York City for over 100 years. We Swedish Institute has added quality healthcare programs, including personal training, nursing, and medical assistant to their long-standing massage therapy foundation. And the school provides a hands-on professional approach to education to get you to the workplace. Go to www.swedishinstitute.edu or call 212-924-5900, extension 199. That's 212-924-5900, extension 199. For more information, Swedish Institute has made a generous donation to underwrite this show and Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 organization, 
and you can make a donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com or RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. So, Annie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before I ask you the next questions, could you tell us which classes you're teaching now and where people can come and work with you or study with you? Absolutely. Um, I teach my bar and uh, bar and dance classes at Chalk Gyms in Williamsburg. And um, I teach Pilates Reformer mat and springboard classes at East River Pilates, also in Williamsburg. Um, and you can even find me there for my body rhythm dance workshops as well. Um, CBD stretch is the other thing I do. I make handmade CBD-based muscle rub and um, help people. My, my whole purpose with that is that um, it kind of helps you connect and relax and feel really good. And bringing that into your stretching and self-care routine is, is a powerful thing. And so it's a mixture of um, work of a uh, stretching and myofascial release work that you could even do sitting at your desk, um, as well as things that you might do, you know, in a studio or even mm -hmm. on your own floor. Um, so, uh, chalk gyms and East river Pilates, Awesome. my, my homes with the myofascial work that you do, are you using a ball or a roller or another kind of tool? How We're are you using doing that? Foam rollers and sometimes massage balls and sometimes smooshy balls, sometimes more yoga based things. And, um, I, I used to, I'm not of, you know, official about it, but I, um, studied a lot at, with a Yamana body rolling mm -hmm. and melt method as well. So those mm -hmm. two things like heavily inform what we're doing there. But some of it is really, it was, I was a new mom with a lot of back pain and shoulder stuff as mm -hmm. a lot of other moms experience. And I was like, okay, how are we going to do this? I started using a muscle rub and going to um, East River Pilates stretch and lengthen classes. Mm -hmm. And I took it from there. So Awesome. So, because you've had this journey from dance and art to fitness, how do you find that the work that you did as an artist, as a dancer, influences what you do in fitness now? Either your own feelings about it or your approach to it. Do you find a connection there? Definitely. Um, I, I'm Whenever I'm teaching, I... I feel like I'm channeling all of my dance teachers a little bit. Mm -hmm. I teach a fitness class like a dance class in that I, um, I present a warm up that makes sense based on the workout that we're going to do. Um, all of the moves connect, uh, even like no matter when I'm teaching body rhythm dance, which is what I call my African based dance workout. Um, we do conditioning exercises that will get you ready for the crazy shit you're about to do. <laughs> um, so that your back is ready, your neck is ready, your butt is ready, your legs get strong. Um, and in my bar class too, I mean, there it's, it's the same thing. I think about what do we want to focus on today? Is this outer hip strength? What kinds of ballet or otherwise dance based moves or Pilates heavy in my workouts, um, contribute to that? And how do I build them so that they make sense for many bodies? Mm -hmm. If that Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Then do you see it feedback the other way? Do you find that 
as a dancer, as somebody who still has to move and teach, how does your fitness education, because I know you're certified by ACE mm-hmm. and also you've gone through a Pilates Method Alliance course, mm-hmm. so you've done all of this other, not only hands-on training, but also the didactic aspects of it. So how does that feedback and inform what you do with your own body and the dancing that you do or the art that you do? Well, I will say I started teaching bar because I started taking bar and I couldn't, I had never been so strong before ever. And Mm -hmm. so when I would take, when I would go and then dance, because I was still dancing more professionally then, I was like, oh my goodness, I've got plie for days. I can get as low, I'm the lowest in the Mm -hmm. room. Like I, I can do all this stuff from a super strong center, which I Mm -hmm. think was the other thing for me in Pilates is that you work from the inside out. All movement comes from your core, um, from your center. Joseph Pilates called it your powerhouse. And um, that, that it kind of informs everything, especially in African dance. There's a big, there's a certain democracy of your body. Like my, your ribs and shoulders are a limb Mm -hmm. in the same way that your arms and legs are. Um, Your center of gravity tends to be lower. So even though you're jumping just super high off the ground, you, you're like in this, that almost like in order to find the abandon that I think a lot of people see, you mm-hmm. have to be incredibly strong mm-hmm. in the center. I think mm-hmm. um, also just longevity. Um, I can, I'm happy to be able to dance at the close to the level that I was at 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning I can, I can do it every day. Like mm-hmm. I, I've got a lot of, I have my range of motion. I have my stamina. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still changing. I'm getting better and better and better. Even after having a baby, I feel that I came back much stronger. Um, I had to rebuild for sure, but Mm -hmm. um, it hasn't, you know, like I feel that I can do this forever. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. It's, It's really sad. I had a dance background also, but when I was dancing, it was, you know, dancers don't lift weights, right? You know, don't, don't do any conditioning. Yeah. Do some push-ups or some sit-ups. So Mm -hmm. you look good in the mirror, but just dance and that's all you need. And nobody really took that sort of strength and conditioning training approach, which, you know, hopefully starts to feed into it, especially as more of us go into fitness and try and help the kids coming up to, not make the mistakes we made or not have the injuries that we've had. Has, has that helped you at all in terms of injuries or preventing injuries? Do you think? Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Um, I think something I've learned from Pilates a lot, I mean, African dance too, but definitely Pilates is that um, like ballet, isn't that great for your body? I feel that when I was learning it, I was like, this is the gold standard of how to move of Mm -hmm. how to, in everything. I knew that football players took ballet to help Mm -hmm. them with agility and flexibility. I knew all of those things. And so I thought that it was like the thing to do. And like, nah, I mean, ballerinas get hip replacements and they Mm -hmm. get put out to pasture at a a young age. Like you don't have that long for a career anyway. And Um, then I heard somewhere Louis the 14th or 16th was incredibly bow legged. So all of this turnout stuff actually comes from people trying to mimic his deformity. Well, yeah. And showing off their shoes and it's a horseback ride comes from a horseback riding culture. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff that, that connect in there. Um, yeah. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot. Um, so I think that 
Um, I'm really about being able to, I, I always, I wanted to dance every day for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved performing, but I think the thing that really did it for me was that I had a movement practice Mm -hmm. and I never want to stop. I never wanted to stop. I never want to stop. So, um, it's been like my, so the fitness aspect of it has kept, has kept it fresh for me and possible. That's awesome. Could you give us the website one more time, yes, please, Annie? Yes, it's www.annierodriguez.com. Um, and you can also find me at eastriverpilates.com and chalkgyms.com. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, our pleasure here. We'll be back in a minute with John Fredericks. And we're back. This is Vincent Mezzo with the Physical Culture, Music, and Art Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Streaming live from 100 Bogart Street in beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn. And we're here now with John Fredericks. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great this morning. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. So, John, you also come from a dance background. Can you tell me how you got into dance and what what was little John doing? <laughs> well, um, I grew up in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are Guyanese um, from some South America. And what happened was when I was very young, um, we moved to um a place in Brooklyn, Carlton, 7th Avenue, and Flatbush. And the building we lived in was owned by a jazz musician. Oh, cool. And um, he had a daughter named Sean and his wife. And they lived on the bottom floor, and we moved in on the right above them. They had a duplex. Mm-hmm. And it was my first time experiencing people that were artistic, so he would have jazz jam sessions in his living room, and I would come downstairs. Mm-hmm. And I remember his daughter, Sean, um, was taking ballet classes not far mm-hmm. from there. And um, I told my mother got tired of me jumping around and breaking the glass <laughs> table. So she went on ahead and sent me on over to take um, dance classes, and I was like the only male dancer there mm-hmm. and it was like about 20 female dancers just me mm-hmm. and um i remember enjoying it and i remember them taking they would always um go out and do stuff and i would sometimes go with them and we would go to different performances jazz performances and african dance but i really connected with dance um and um, unfortunately at that time you know ballet classes were very expensive Mm-hmm. So we really, I really couldn't continue the training regularly the way I wanted to, but I always kept it going in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. And then did you start doing street dancing and stuff yes. after that? Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Um, right around, I was about sixth grade, seventh grade. This was like in the 
<laughs> you don't have to say how old you are <laughs> okay, if you don't, I don't want mind, to. I don't no. mind. I don't mind. This was like the late 70s, early 80s. Um, around the 80s, early 80s time. And that's when breakdancing and popping and stuff. And I'm from Brooklyn, so popping was really big. And um, it was at that time I was going through a lot, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, you know, going through a lot of uh, trials and, and tribulations and as, 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 as a young man. Teenage and angst. Teenage angst. I was bullied a lot, actually, at that time. And um, once I started... Uh, popping and I started beating burning some of the other guys that start to get a little better for me mm -hmm. then. Um, but what ended up happening after we moved away from that experience where I got exposed to all this art and I started breakdancing and, and popping um, I found myself always glued in to art um, I watched PBS Mm -hmm. I mean, what kid goes home and watches PBS and watches great performances and, uh -huh. and all of that. So, and I used to sit down and I used to draw sets and stuff. So I always thought I was either going to be a designer or actor or a dancer at that time. Mm -hmm. well, and then as you got older, mm -hmm. did you, you went into the military or did you get more professional with your dancing or what was sort of the next step? Well, the next step after that, I was um, going to school here in Brooklyn at Clara Barton High School, and there was a teacher there. Her name was Miss Pearson. She was part of the dance program. She's mm -hmm. since been married. I don't even know where her new name is, but um, mm -hmm. her name was Miss Pearson, and um, I was in her program um, at the school. And I also belonged to the Caribbean Club, and we used to put on a lot of performances. As a matter of fact, Clara Barton High School back at that time, we had a lot of singers and dancers and performers. Mm -hmm. and was it a performing arts no, high school? No, it wasn't. It was a mm -hmm. medical. I was actually a dental lab major. Hmm. And for some reason, we had a lot of artistic people there. Mm -hmm. You know, um, some of us either wanted to... Um, audition for, for for a performing art mm -hmm. or didn't do it for for several reasons either our parents or we were too scared or something but we got there and we 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 were known at that time for having like some of the best shows in brooklyn mm -hmm. as far as high school talent shows and i participated in those and um and Miss Pearson had a program where she um got us to that's when Alvin Ailey was still around and BMCC had a program with the high schools mm -hmm. and they had a huge master class and um for Shirley Black Brown and all these other people from Ailey and um this huge master class and I was one of the kids chosen to take it was like a college course and we learned actual revelations we learned the the fan dance with the vest and all mm -hmm. that um we, we we learned revelations and actually performed it for Alvin Ailey um when he was uh, this was back in 87 and it was like really exciting and I was really happy and I was graduating high school and my intent was to go audition for the company go to the school things changed I ended up joining the army mm -hmm. <laughs> that's <laughs> quite quite a quite difference a dramatic, right yeah, yeah I, I ended up joining the army um in the army dance still never left me uh I found I started doing like little shows here and there. They have like little 
soldier show. I auditioned for the Army Soldier Show right when I was getting ready to come out. But they used to have talent shows at the different bases and stuff. When I was stationed in Alaska, I was up in um, Fort Greeley, um, Fairbanks. And we used to have dance contests and stuff up there. And I used to audition. Um, I even used to go to the other two bases in uh, Fairbanks and over in Fort Richardson, over um, in Anchorage, and dance sometimes against the other guys, what have you. Um, but then when I came back um, during my last couple of years in the service, I was stationed down in Virginia, and there was a dance school off the base. And, of course, when you're in the military, you have your time, and then you have your mm-hmm. private time. And I ended up performing um, – Terry School of Dance and Gymnastics <laughs> in Virginia, in, um, mm-hmm. right there in Newport News. And um, I competed with them during the 1990 season. And we were regional champions at that time. We were called the Black Jackets. We all had black jackets. We all come in with our jackets on and mm-hmm. on your go to black jackets. So that was a lot of fun during that time. And then um, immediately after that, after leaving the military, um, I did a little work um, with a gentleman in D.C. named David Brennan. I think he's doing some work out in the West Coast right now. Um, I did a show with him, mm-hmm. um, a, a dance theater company project with him. And um, then not long after that, I came back to New York. But before that, that's when I was introduced to the ballroom scene mm-hmm. while I was living in D.C., and then after I got the military and came back to New York, that's when a lot of the ballroom mm-hmm. stuff started to come into play. And awesome. Mm-hmm. So how did you make that transition then from this dance background and being in the military mm-hmm. to getting into fitness? And you're also a licensed massage therapist. Yeah. So how did that happen? Well, for you, because it, it makes sense, but how did it happen for you specifically? <laughs> well, after um, coming out of the military, I had a, I did a few auditions here and there, tried to do the, try to live like the dancer life, and it just wasn't working mm-hmm. for me. It's a hard you know? life. It's, it's a yeah. hard life, and you also have to have that, um, What's the word I'm looking for? That push inside to go mm-hmm. and put yourself in front of people and really be out. And I didn't have it like that mm-hmm. to me. At least comparing myself to other people, I didn't feel I had it um, in that way. So I kind of um, kind of shied away and backed away from performing for, um, for that reason. Um, also dealing with life stuff, depression and things like that. It's a big part of the issues, which is why I even went into fitness in the first place. Um, after so many years went by, now I'm, what, in my early 40s at that point. And then um, I found that I was overweight at this point. Overweight, I was like, I'm tipping the scales like 280. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and John is nowhere near 280 now. <laughs> you know, no. He looks great. You never think that he was 280 <laughs> at one point in his life. Yeah, I was, I was, I got, I got pretty big and out of shape. Although I still enjoyed um, dancing in some form, with, like going out, I really wasn't um, doing anything for my body. And so, um, at this point, I had already become a massage therapist. Um, just you know, 
and I enjoyed working with other people in that capacity. Um, it was like more like a spiritual, like when touching, because I'm mm-hmm. I'm an empathic type of person. So touching and compassionate, that sort of thing was really, like really pulled me into massage therapy. Um, but when it was time for me to take care of myself, I was going around asking so many questions about fitness and the question, the answers I got depending on who I was talking to, but it didn't seem like anybody was speaking to me directly. So I had to go out and find a lot of information out for myself. So me being, I don't know where this came from all of a sudden, becoming Mm -hmm. this overachiever (laughs) later on in life, um, I decided to go to school to learn what I needed to learn for myself. And then that led me into fitness, you know, um, because I was really doing it to learn for myself. Mm -hmm. And then just the idea of working with people, helping them get stronger, helping them make, you know, it was making me happy. So I figured maybe I could help some other people become happy, which also Mm -hmm. goes in line with my with 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 my spiritual beliefs uh, i'm also a buddhist mm-hmm. so making a you know being happy and helping others to become happy it just seemed to work for me right where can people find you now if they want to work with you either am, for massage or for training well i am at brooklyn athletic club i'm in williamsburg brooklyn um you can i do personal training there i do small group and i do large group as well mm-hmm. um I also uh, had done a few classes there based on a dancer's eight count called Tempo Burn, mm-hmm. which I'm not I'm doing at the moment, but hopefully we'll, we'll be able to bring that back. Um, just I use a dancer's eight count and I slow the movements down because my belief is if you can't do it slow, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know, people tend to run through a lot of reps and with bad form. So I'm very big coming from a dance background. I'm very big on form mm-hmm. and using the correct muscles. Mm-hmm. And that was something that Annie was talking about also, you know, back in the late 1800s. And I know I bang on about this and early 1900s, we had structured physical education. Right. And people learn to move and learn basic movement patterns through repetition in much the same way that we do in dance class. But since we switched to sports and games, people have lost that. And it's so important, I mean, even on a basic level, how are you going to have good landing mechanics if you don't know how to keep your knees over the center of your feet, right? And that's a basic plie. So we need to, in a lot of ways in our culture, go back to that. Then the other thing you mentioned was about your spiritual beliefs and how movement really should be a part of our culture and it's more than just the physical it's also the spiritual aspect the emotional aspect of that absolutely because being i know for me um i have a lot of people come in to my classes or come to me as clients and tell me oh well you know i'm over 40 oh you know I'm over 50 or, you know, I have an injury and I'm like, well, I'm 49 years old. I didn't become a trainer until I was 45 and I'm here to help. Mm-hmm. I'm here to help. Um, I'm not here to make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Do what you can do your best. And let's focus on the journey because mm-hmm. a lot of people come in defeated from the beginning. Like, uh Oh, you know, I'm going to come and I'm going to get killed. 
or I'm not going to do this right, or you're beating yourself up because you're not doing it right. So what I try to do the best as I can is to get them to enjoy the process mm-hmm. of learning something or working weeks to get your hinge right or working weeks to get mm-hmm. your squat right or mm-hmm. taking the time to put to elevate your heels and you know do different things to help you get a better squat or better positions. And just when you get to the point where you can do it, then I add a little something else to it to help you go on a little further. And I tend to push a little bit with my clients. Once I see that they're strong enough, I tend to push them mm-hmm. a little bit further to see how far they can go. Maybe they can mm-hmm. surprise themselves. Absolutely. And, and that's really good, especially when you come when someone's coming in, I find when someone's coming in after probably having been fit at one time. Mm-hmm. And then not being fit and then like I don't know, I feel terrible. And then to give them something to work on, really, you see the self esteem mm-hmm. come up, you know. And it's really enjoyable to me. Absolutely. And it's so much about that journey. People, especially in our culture now, nobody wants to take the time to learn technique, to learn method. But when we look at martial arts or Pilates or Tai Chi, or any of these other things, it's about the journey. It's about doing the repetition and putting in the time to grow. It isn't just an immediate change. Oh, I walk into the gym, and when I walk out, I'm magically fit. Look, I, I did lots of squats, and I'm sweaty and sore, so I must be fit. And they don't realize the quality, maybe. Yeah, the, the quality movement. of the movement, right. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break and go to our exercise science segment with Vic Geary, who has something to say about eggs today. Exercise science with Professor Vic Geary. Yes, thank you again, Dean. Eggs. Why we make the eggs so bad? Recently, there was study... They do study, they look at the eggs. They say the eggs again, they are bad. Why are the eggs bad? Why they always say the eggs bad? Me, I grow up on farm near Siberia. I eat lots of eggs. I am fine. Yet they say eggs bad. Always with the eggs bad. Average American, they eat 280 eggs a year. This less than one egg a day. How they make this bad? Journal of American Medical Association. They say the eggs bad now. The people they eat the eggs, they are more likely to get the heart disease. But this is correlation. This is no. This is not cause and effect. This I know. So eat the eggs. Have the omelet. Go, you have fun, you live life. This has been Exercise Science with Professor Vic Yiri. And thank you very much, Professor. And we are back with John Fredericks. So, John, I know you've recently gotten back into doing different types of dance. Can you tell us a little bit about what your current dance pursuits are? Well, currently, um, I just registered to compete in the Dance USA Dance Open competition. Um, and initially, I was going to do it with my dance partner. We vogue together usually at the mm-hmm. club, Juan Aviance. Um, 
we vogue together at the club and we've been putting we've done a few performances together before on a smaller scale mm-hmm. um uh and I thought we were going to do it together, but right now I'm going to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have another project that we're going to do together coming up, actually, um, with a ballet company. But we're still working, working that, out the details. Yeah, or? working out the details mm-hmm. with that. But um, I'm going to be doing auditioning, doing the audition process for the Dance USA Dance contest. So I've already registered. So now it's a whole process of going back into myself and coming up doing the whole choreography and going back into mm-hmm. that whole competition mode again. And, and then, will this be similar to the black jackets thing that you were doing, or is it a different style? Well, what does the contest involve? Well, it's any type of dance, mm-hmm. any style of dance, any age group, any level of dance, and we're all competing mm-hmm. together. So um, I saw it as an opportunity for me to come in and just get my feet back and back what. Mm-hmm. Get my feet wet again, back into that world again, and I'm going to be voguing mm-hmm. um, the classic style of vogue as opposed to the death drop, very dramatic um, style that is popular right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going back to the classic um, pose where where the focus was the poses and mm-hmm. the transition in between the poses. So I'm focusing on that. Um, and doing that type of performance because mm-hmm. not, not a lot of people have seen, especially now, people are used mm-hmm. to seeing it looking a certain way. I want to go and bring in the mm-hmm. other style and see if I could bring it back and see how well it goes for mm-hmm. me. And, and are you putting together a team or is that a solo competition? That's one, this one for this particular competition is going to be a solo situation. Uh-huh. So it's going to be me by myself. Awesome. <laughs> and where can people find out more about that competition and be able to get involved in that or watch that? Well, they have uh, a website. Actually, they have a they have a website on Facebook called Dan D U D. Uh huh. Um, D U D. Um, Face Off. Mm-hmm. If you look it up on Facebook, it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can register as a as a performer to audition as well, and you can also register to, mm-hmm. to go on and um, just spectate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really excited about it. That's great. Really and fun. one of our previous guests, Pooja. Oberoi also is involved in that and she does Bollywood dancing. And so we put that on the uh, Facebook, on my Facebook, VincentMezzo.com. There's also a link to that. So definitely look for Pooja, look for John and get involved in that also if you're interested in dancing. So John, how do you find that your dance background influences what you do as a trainer, like especially when you're teaching these small group and these larger group classes at Brooklyn Athletic Club, do you find that it was an easy transition for you? How how do you find that? And does your previous background inform that? It's so funny that um, you say that because when I first in school was one thing, but then when you got into the world and you teach a class, mm-hmm. um, I was very surprised at what I was able to draw from mm-hmm. from dance when it comes to when when it comes to running a group, a small group or a semi private class, in that I feel able to structure the class in a way where I can actually see everything like I would in a dance class mm-hmm. where I can see all the movements. It's a I think it's something like a lot of dancers can do 
Um, I think you don't realize mm-hmm. it when you even when I'm watching performances, I can see when somebody's off. So it's, mm-hmm. in class, I can I, I'll mm-hmm. sit and look at the whole class and I can see who needs. And I'm starting to develop the ability to make adjustments to each person a little better. So in it, right, general and specific. Mm-hmm. So now, so now I find myself pulling in 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 in. It's feeling like a dance class to me at times. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and well, in a way, you could say that dance instructors were the original group exercise instructors. I mean, it's um, you know, it's not that much of a leap to make that connection. But you find that it trains your eye, and yeah, that has mm. trained my eye. Um, it's also trained the way I look at the movement. Like once mm-hmm. I got out out of the study. Mm-hmm. Like when you're trying to get all the information in, in my head. Now, once the information is in my head and I actually go and started doing it, I started to notice the connections as I'm standing in front of the class, just even my posture and just the way I speak when I'm in front of the class. It mm-hmm. just brings me back to. Mm-hmm. Do you find you channel your old uh, dance teachers also oh, sometimes? Oh, yes. yeah. I yeah. even found myself because we, um, we have the dowels. Uh-huh. And one time I was walking around the class and I was, Pounding the dowel, and I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, wow!" And I have a little mm-hmm. rep for that. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I often find when I'm teaching that I say the same old stupid jokes that my teachers used to say when I was in class. And believe me, they're stupid, but I just can't stop saying them. <laughs> they just—they come right out. But have, and how about that rhythm aspect? To it, do you find with the pounding the dowel that you're more in tune to rhythms? Definitely. Actually, I think when it comes to tempo work, mm-hmm. I count for everybody. Mm-hmm. When it comes to tempo work, I usually count for everybody, unless I know that you're not going to cheat. <laughs> if it's like, like, like if I know you and I know you're going to slow it down the way. I need you to slow it down. Mm-hmm. If 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 I see, usually if I see, sometimes I'll start, I'll give some benefit of the doubt, and we'll start the first set, then I'll jump in. Okay, second set, I'm counting. You know, then we'll <laughs> Since go. you all can't count for yourselves, <laughs> apparently, I will be doing right, the counting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Move on the music. And, <laughs> right, exactly. And then there's a rhythm for the one, two, three, four, some people go really fast and try mm-hmm. to get through it, but it's not about getting through it. Right, right, being in the moment. Can you tell us again, John, where people can contact you for training and for massage also? Okay, so for training, you can reach me at Brooklyn Athletic Club, mm-hmm. in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, um, Brooklyn Athletic Club. That's the website, www.brooklynathleticclub.com. You can also catch me if you um, want to schedule a massage. With mm-hmm. me, I also work out of Brooklyn Athletic Club. You can actually contact me on my Instagram on Coach J J A Y F R E D J Fred J Fred Coach, Coach J, J Fred. Fred. That's right. Okay, <laughs> and that's your Instagram. That's my Instagram. Okay. You hit me up on Instagram, and then we can awesome my massage. Very nice. Thank you so much for joining us, John and Annie. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. This is Vincent Mezzo on Radio Free Brooklyn, streaming live from the Physical Culture, Music, and Art Show here at 100 Bogart Street in beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn. We'll see you next week, Wednesday, 9 a.m. Have a wonderful afternoon.